Hi, this is Violet Lang. Welcome to my podcast, The Pleasure Path, all about love, dating, relationships, and femininity. I help successful, spiritual women find their pleasure and their power to create healthy partnership. What is pleasure? What are the myths and misconceptions about pleasure? Why is this such an important part of femininity? And why do we assume that it's just about intimacy? Join Tamara Logan, our Mindset Mentor, in our Queens of Pleasure program for a special episode. All right. Welcome, everyone. I am here with Tamara Logan, who is an amazing woman who is helping me help so many women find love and date in a way that's more empowered. And Tamara, go ahead and introduce yourself for the people watching that might not be familiar with you or your work. Thank you. Yes, I've been with you and your program for over two years and it just lights up my heart and it's so fulfilling because I I get to help women like access their intuition and heart and really um, create the vision of love in their life and um, yeah, just live a more fulfilled and joyful life. Yes, I love it. I know we get to do really fun and sacred work. And today we wanted to talk about pleasure and this concept of pleasure because it's been misconstrued so often to mean sexuality or that it means a certain type of femininity. And I really want to bust those myths because as you know, our program is called Queens of Pleasure and it's about helping women feel good, feel good about themselves, feel good about dating, feel worthy of creating a healthy lasting partnership. So I know we've prepared some, um, some questions to guide our discussion. So we're just going to dive, dive in and what is pleasure for each of us? I'll start. And then, and then I'd love to hear more from you as well. You know, for me, pleasure is taking the time to feel good in the moment, which might mean one second or 10 seconds to take a more full breath, or it might be taking a full day and, you know, going to the beach or going to the spa. Um, to me, pleasure feels a little different than self-care in that it's about the five senses. It feels like to me versus self-care feels more like energetic, like, oh, I'm low energy or I need to regroup. Pleasure is like, how can I feel good and alive and, um, delight the senses of the moment? Um, other things that bring me pleasure would be like smelling a rose. Uh, <laughs> there's a rose when I walk my dog that's still blooming. It smells so good. So those are just a few examples for me. Tamara, um, what's pleasure for you? Yeah, I loved, I agree with everything you said. I think um, first off, it's just that feeling of feeling happy or taking an enjoyment in an experience. And it's really for me being connected to my body and my senses as well. And it's, it's enjoying something versus maybe like doing it out of necessity. Like if you think about travel for leisure, relaxation versus like, let's say work or something. Um, so I think that's the distinction on pleasure. Um, and I think it's like, it can be when I give of my gifts and my time. So whether it's helping someone or volunteering with animals, so there's that kind of pleasure. And then there's even like, like you said, the receiving of pleasure. So like when I'm swimming in the ocean or walking barefoot on the beach and, and taking in the senses, right? The warm sand on my feet, the water flowing over my feet, the wind on my face, the birds singing, um, the sun beating on the skin. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, versus like if I'm multitasking, listening to a book on tape or, you know, so it's just like really um, immersing myself in the moment. 
Mm, I felt my whole body come alive and get tingly when I heard you talking about all the senses of being at the ocean or being at the beach. And it's almost a different way of relating to our brain chemistry or something to relate from pleasure versus relating from that analytical, you know, control. So I love that. And then let's talk about those common myths and myth myths and misperceptions about pleasure. You know, I mentioned one of them that you you that pleasure is just sexual instead of it being more of a sexual experience. Um, and yeah, what are what are other myths or misconceptions that you feel like people might have about about pleasure? Yeah, like one that came up for me, like if if you think about pleasure, and then there's the maybe the context of people only living for pleasure. So if there's a continuum of pleasure, there's the only living for pleasure. So that might be like hedonism or addiction or self-indulgent, right? So where we might see that, you know, in one way. And then I think of it like what we're talking about, more like mindful sensuality. So it's more connected to the senses and that inner aliveness and inner awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good distinction. And people, I think, oftentimes are afraid. Well, if I allow myself to feel pleasure, I'm going to fall into hedonism, or I'm going to fall into addiction, or, um, or yeah, there's that like idea that sometimes pleasure is not used to immerse us in the moment or the senses. It's used to numb us out. You know, like certain pleasures might at first be pleasurable like chocolate and then they can become addicting or a numbing agent or watching cat videos on YouTube or whatever it is, you know, it's like anything can come, can be used in in a variety of ways. Um, So I love that following our pleasure requires such presence and such inner attunement. That feels really important. Yeah. And I still want to just, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I think what you said is important. Like if you think about chocolate and the savoring of it, then we get satisfied. But I'm even thinking sometimes when I eat lunch and if I'm multitasking where I'm doing it, it's almost like there's an unconsciousness with it, right? And you're not really satisfied or fulfilled afterwards versus if you're savoring it. Yes. And I really want to tie that to dating. Like there might be a time when you're actually on a date with someone who is really present and really chivalrous, but we have maybe stories around like men suck or dating is hard, or we're looking for the next best thing, or we're looking for, you know, the, the ring. And so we're not super present. And then it can feel like it's never enough. Yeah. There's this level of unconsciousness when we're not present in the moment that can make it feel addictive. And I even see that in relationship patterns. Like we can't sometimes as women get enough validation or get enough touch or get enough text messages from someone or all of those things. And of course I want women to enjoy all of that, but I think there's something about presence combined with pleasure that really makes it potent. And then we can find the gratitude and the appreciation in the moment. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then we have, I also want to, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. You, you go. Well, when you were just talking, I, I just felt like then we're attuned to what is enough, right? When we're not in our story or the past or, yeah. And, yeah, we're taking it in. Uh, <laughs> uh, when you said that, it felt so good, like being attuned to enough. 
I felt a lot of expansion in my body and my heart instead of constriction, like, oh, there's never enough. Like, oh, I'm attuned to when I've had enough and when I know that I am enough. It feels really satiating. <laughs> there's a, another myth that I want to bust too, is that pleasure has to always feel good. And I loved that you said something around, I think you said something around volunteering or being with animals we can view pleasure that it's all just either sexual or hedonistic, but we can also view pleasure um, as just reserved for the things that feel good. And sometimes there's a lot of pleasure in the short-term things that lead to a long-term pleasure. You know, like I'm thinking about working out, you know, I um, recently started doing more like squats and little things with weights and things that I hadn't done in a really long time. And I'm surprised I found so much pleasure in it because I'd been resisting it. But it was almost this joy of like feeling my muscles come alive and savoring the soreness. And so sometimes what we think might not be pleasurable, we can actually find great pleasure in it. And through that polarity of, of discomfort, but finding the pleasure in the discomfort, there can be a huge amount of growth. Yeah. I think that's great to keep in mind whenever even we're starting something new, like we want to learn something new, like whether it's a dance class or something and there's an intensity and a challenge and that can be really pleasurable and fulfilling and satisfying. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and let's talk about, you know, dating particularly, why is it important to date from a place of pleasure? I think there's two things. I think it's putting it back to one thing that you said, like when we're in our mind or in a past story, we can go into analyzing and critiquing and, and judging or even um, like seeking validation or seeking approval. And then we're not present and we're not in our body or in the moment. And I think when we're connected to our bodies and um, connected to our pleasure, I think I find at least that I feel more safe and I trust myself because I'm grounded in my body. And um, I think it also, we have a sense of aliveness to us and more radiance. And um, I think also when we're connected to our senses or sensuality, we can feel more powerful too. And confident. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah there's it's like that solid foundation of the present reality that we have to draw from and all of the pieces of our environment. I, I find that the men, whether I just see men out and about or whether it's men that are, you know, I'm hearing kind of the story from the women that we're coaching and men that are responding to them differently when they're in their pleasure. It just feels so important to date from a place of pleasure so that A, we feel good when we're dating instead of feeling like it's a chore or a job, but B, it's just so, um, it's so powerful in terms of communicating who we are and what's important to us. Like if we're willing to sacrifice feeling good in order for the potential of a relationship that communicates that we don't value ourselves that much, that we'd rather get an outcome than feel good about ourselves or good about the process. And a lot of times people won't say anything about a red flag or they'll sweep something under the rug or something won't feel good and they won't say anything, or they'll really want something even more, but they'll say, well, this should be enough, right? We'd be happy with this. And we kind of put ourselves into a little box. And I feel that people can tell that energetically. So either we're going to 
we're going to attract someone who's also kind of putting themselves in a little bit of a box or who's blowing past red flags or who's making themselves small, or we're going to um, feel kind of stagnant in the relationship and, and stuck. And neither of those are good outcomes. And so when we're dating from a place of pleasure, we win, but our partner wins because they know how to make us happy because we've shown them that we know how to be happy. We know how to follow for pleasure. Like it's not some secret that we're going to be, we're going to be communicative with them about what feels good. So they know how to win with us. And the masculine loves to win. And it loves to know like the roadmap. And you can do that just simply by being in your pleasure. It can be a huge gift to the masculine. Really great point. Yeah. Cause I think they respond well to feedback. Right. And if we're not giving the correct feedback in the moment, like you said, if we're like, not happy with something, but we stuff it and stuff it and don't respond. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we blow up or whatever. So I think that's, that's a really great point. The responsiveness. <laughs> yes. And to take that even further, you know, there's different ways to communicate responsiveness. We can communicate responsiveness with our words like, oh, that feels good. Or, I really appreciated it when you opened the door for me, but we can also express it through our body, you know, to, like soften or relax or open our heart or melt a little bit just because we feel taken care of or give a little smile and a giggle, you know, these things might sound trite because they might not feel authentic for someone watching this. If this isn't your normal way of operating, there's no one way of being in your pleasure, but I do encourage anyone that I work with to communicate verbally, but also non-verbally, like let the energy move through your body so he can feel it not just hear it and the masculine oftentimes is much more sensitive than we think like they pick up on feelings and energies they may not communicate about it the same way but if we're kind of withholding our truth the man also be wondering well I don't know how to make her happy she says she's fine but it feels off like he can get up in his head and then it can be hard for both you know both people in the new relationship well said Let's, um, let's, yeah, let's keep going. We talked about, you know, the importance of dating from a place of pleasure and some of the benefits and how the masculine responds. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, we did a Facebook live on fun and there's, there's some slight nuances between fun and pleasure. And let's, let's explore that. Like what feels like the difference for you between fun and, and pleasure. Great question. I think fun, um, it feels like it's spontaneous, it's playful, there's like amusement and enjoyment. It's like an external event, like maybe like going to the amusement park or a funny movie or a comedy club. And then pleasure, um, I think is, again, it's more internal and I'm connected to my body and my senses. And it it's maybe like a more subtle attunement. So it could be even just in, like you said, enjoying the moment. So it could be a bubble bath or a yummy meal or even preparing a meal and being really mindful with it. Like I was even at the grocery store on Sunday and I wasn't like task oriented and I was smelling the strawberries and smiling and, and um, it was funny when I opened my eyes, even the, you know, the person there like just smiled and is like, can I help you with anything? <laughs> so it's just so cute when you're present and you're just, you know, radiating and joyful. Yeah. Mm. Yes. I feel 
very similarly. I don't have too much of a difference in terms of my definitions of fun or pleasure. Um, to me, in a very like tactical way, pleasure feels a little more centered in my lower body, not just because where the female sensual center is or sexual center is, but also just because I think of of pleasure a little bit more kind of in my hips and going with the flow and being earthy and and um, connected to those five senses and feeling more grounded. Whereas the fun feels like you had talked about like ah, bright and, you know, like spontaneous and maybe a little more chaotic. There's something about pleasure that that normally feels like you said slower and um, and more connected to the moment. So I, I love that. And this is a huge topic, but let's go into it. You know, why do we, why do you think we often collapse sensuality with sexuality, at least in our culture? I know this one was a big one. So I'm going to love to hear what you say. Um, I think the one lens that I was just present to or a perspective was that um, our society can really focus on the physical image of the body. And so whether we see that in social media or TV or the magazines, but it really sends the message that um, what's valued in society is the, the physical body. And so I think, you know, that gets communicated and like, um, yeah, I guess, like sex sells, I guess, right? Is <laughs> what advertising sometimes does, right? Yeah, it trigger, triggers this like primal part of our brain that can be associated with fight or flight or a fear response. And that can sometimes propel us to take action, which is what, you know, a lot of times marketers are trying to do. Um, so I definitely hear that. And we've become such a visual culture, you know, before we didn't have Instagram and we didn't have all these things. And so now the comparison mind is getting food, you know, it's getting these snacks all the time of like, oh, this is what that looks like, or this is what that looks like. And it can be instructive, but sometimes it's more destructive because it's, it's challenging maybe what we think. And then there's a societal pressure or like a, a social norm that goes along with that. Um, and I feel like there's something too related to age, you know, like younger women in their 20s, like feeling that pressure to be sexual or just being bombarded with sexual imagery. And then it's almost taboo sometimes for a woman in her 50s, 60s, 70s and on to be seen as sexual, which I think is just awful. Like every every person needs to be sexual at, at you know, any stage of their life that they want. And we are sexual creatures. And there's not as many role models for women to be sensual and to be sexual and to be able to choose the, the forums in which they are, you know, like I consider myself to be very sensual, but I really reserve my sexual energy, even just my flirtatious energy, you know, for my husband. And, um, a lot of people, I think, fear pleasure because they associate it with sexuality and because there's not a lot of healthy role models for sensual, embodied, feminine in our, in our culture. Very well said. Yes. And I even think about the difference between, and I, I try not to talk politics a lot because it can be really, um, you know, uh, fiery sort of conversation. But I think about the difference between like Hillary Clinton and her energy, and Michelle Obama, to me, Hillary Clinton does not come across as sensual. She comes across as smart and powerful and other things, but not 
necessarily sensual, at least from what I see of her. She's the only see, you know, parts of her personality. And whereas I think of Michelle Obama, who just did her book tour for her book, Becoming, and she was wearing big gold boots. And, you know, it was just kind of, it, it felt like from the outside looking in that there was more of the five senses and there was more of a sense of sensuality and more of a sense of her ownership of her body and her sensuality than we might normally see from a public figure. Um, and it's just in contrast to, like I said, the energy of, of Hillary Clinton or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great distinction because there's, it's just subtle, right? Like they're both really super smart and driven and ambitious and, um, but the energy when I experience Michelle, like there's um, maybe more like emotional availability, like there's more warmth and compassion um, and passion and, um, and yeah, more fluid in her body where maybe like Hillary is a little more tight and contained too. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I want to highlight that all of these energies can be useful in different contexts. You know, a big part of the work we do with women is not only slowing down to savor and find their pleasure. You know, we even have practices in the course called chocolate meditation and things that are like really about unlocking the five senses and finding your pleasure in a way that works for you. You know, that's sensual, not necessarily sexual. Um, but we also do a lot with archetypes and like allowing yourself the full range of expressions. You don't just have to be the seductress, you know, you don't just have to be like the boss lady. You can be anything and everything, but it's about having all those tools in your toolkit. Because I think whether we're a, a man or a woman or identify with more masculine energy or more feminine energy, the world is asking us to become more versatile. You know, the world is becoming more complex. And the more that we can understand the different energies and embrace and embody those energies, the more we can connect with a variety of people. And the more that we can be true with the changing nature of our desires and our needs and our wants and just our authentic expression of what's going on. And you touched on something really cool about the emotions. I feel like the the archetypes tie very closely with emotions. You know, the emotion is part of the archetype. And so we can absolutely be a little bit more of the, the queen of mystery, a little more aloof or a little more um, contained. There's nothing wrong with that sort of energy, that sort of smart, sharp, contained, more cool sort of energy. I just don't associate it with pleasure, but it still has its place. You know, I just want to be clear if someone's watching this and like, oh, well, I think I associate more with that sort of contained, con you know, um, conservative looking sort of, sort of aspect, celebrate that, but don't let that be your only like radio station, so to speak. Yeah. Good distinction. <laughs> um, and then, and then, yeah, how do we stay sensual and embodied and authentic you know, as we date and express ourselves, I know this is a bit of an open-ended question because it's going to be different for each woman, but yeah, how do we stay sensual and, and authentic without feeling like we need to get sexual, but without losing touch with our pleasure? Yeah. No, I'd love to hear what you say. I think the couple of things I thought about was just um, like in our work day, we're um, on computers, we're on phones, we're very, you know, linear, problem solving, getting things done. Um, so just wait, oh, being aware of our body, like when I'm like too much on the computer, my body gets really tight. 
right? And and so just having maybe a, a, a mindful practice of how to be able to move your body after a long work day. So whether that's walking with your dogs or a yoga flow or dancing or stretching or something, but just being able to, um, yeah, pay attention to your body would be one or, um, or even just cultivating um, sensuality or your senses in different ways. So it might be bringing beauty into your environment, your work environment. Like I have orchids or something like that, or just, um, yeah, bringing pleasure into prepping your food or tasting your food. Um, yeah, and just like you said when you were describing Michelle, it's like, and then have fun with how you dress too. Like whether mm-hmm. it's subtle with jewelry or or something like that. Yeah, I think those are a couple of things that I thought about, but I'd love to hear what you say. I love all of those examples. I think there's infinite ways that we can incorporate pleasure in a way that feels authentic. And I know sometimes women in the group and our Facebook group for, um, for Queens of Pleasure for Women in the program will post even something as simple as like an earring that they're going to wear, earrings that they're going to wear that they haven't worn in a long time. And it will change like how they move through the world or how they feel about themselves during the day, or it'll remind them of a fun loving, you know, part of themselves or a more flashy part of themselves. Um, but I think we have a ton. I don't think I know we have a ton of practices in the course for pleasure and for pre-date rituals. How do you transition from the work day to going on a date? And how do you navigate those tricky spaces where the anxiety can creep in that you had a great date, but you haven't heard from them in a little while? Or, you know, there's so many places where we can get knocked away from our pleasure. And so it is a practice for sure to come back to that and to train our nervous system to seek the pleasure instead of to seek the worry or the frustration or the struggle. And I love the examples that you shared. Um, yeah, embodiment is huge or, or movement or body-based practices, heart-based practices, um, vision or like desire-based practices. What is it that we want? How would that feel? You know, we do a lot of that throughout the course because it does make a difference in our relationships and in our dating. I know that if I haven't done anything to feel good or connect with my body, I go into logistics mode, you know, I'm planning, I'm connecting with Jason on a very flat level about logistics or about the nuts and bolts of our life or who's walked the dog or, you know, all of these things. We need that in our life. But when I'm following my pleasure and feeling more connected to my body and my sensuality in a way that feels authentic versus like dressing in a certain way to please him or to fit in, um, which feels weird even to just talk about. I'm like, Ugh, it sounds cringeworthy. Um, so when I'm doing it in a way, which is how I do it, that feels authentic, then um, it's like an invitation to him in a, in a really safe way, in a really loving way. And it's not even intentional. I'm not doing it to try to get him to pay attention to me, but me just doing a little dance in the kitchen while I'm washing the dishes. And he comes in from working in the other room and wants to connect with me more than if I'm just coming into his office saying, hey, have you walked the dog and who's feeding her and what time are we doing this? Like it's totally different energy. Yeah. I think that's a really (laughs) great distinction that you're making too is on a couple of levels, like I can definitely 
um, like my inner aliveness and um, will decrease if I'm not connected to my senses and pleasure and, and that. And then also when you were just describing how you were being in the kitchen and Jason coming in is I think when we're in our pleasure too, what um, it does for the men is it gets them present, right? Cause we're open and we're inviting and we're receptive, right? And playful. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And and I think for women that are like watching this and thinking, well, how do I find my pleasure in a way that's authentic? How do I embrace that part of myself without feeling sexual or without feeling over the top? This is where it is really important to have a mentor because you can't just look at a magazine and be like, oh, that's femininity or that's pleasure. Okay, I'm going to do that. And that's the way I think we got into this whole mess of, of everything being sexual is that we lost touch with what felt authentic and good for ourselves as women. And we, in many cases, weren't allowed to feel our connection to our body. That has something that's just more recently been a privilege and a, and a beautiful opportunity because so many women over the last decades have worked so hard for us to have the right and the time and the space and the, um, the freedom to not be controlled by the by other sources, you know, um, that are telling us what we should do or what's pretty or what's not. So that's all I'm going to say, you know, for everyone watching, like avoid the trap of thinking that you need to look, feel, or act like someone else, just because that's someone else's version of pleasure that can come across as manipulative to the masculine. If you're not used to dressing in a certain way or doing something and just kind of try it on for size without any guidance, you know, we, we don't even do the archetypes part of our course until the seventh chapter, because it takes that long to have a foundation of connection to the body and connection to the heart and emotional vulnerability and attunement and understanding your boundaries in order to be in these, what I will consider to be more advanced spaces of trying on different archetypes and really expressing your pleasure through your body so that it feels really authentic. So in some ways I want to tell everyone, follow your pleasure. In other ways, I'm like, don't do this at home. <laughs> um, following your pleasure. Yes. But like trying on different archetypes or communicating pleasure through the body is just so foreign for most modern women and most career women that we do need help with that. But once we get that help, it can happen really quickly. I mean, so many of our clients have been engaged or married within a year or two because they not only find their partner within weeks or months, but they find the way that's authentic and sustainable for them in relationship versus just you know, trying, to, trying to rush things or check a bunch of boxes. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Thank you. So, so yeah, so with that being said, you know, for anyone who's watching this and knows that you need some support and having a great relationship and being effectively and being more in your feminine and following your pleasure and in understanding all these different feminine archetypes and how to bring them to life in a way that's really authentic, I would love to connect. We do free 45-minute breakthrough to love sessions, and these are totally free of charge, and it's just an opportunity for you to connect with an expert and really get insight, peel back the onion on what what's been going on in your love life, what's been keeping you from finding love or having you repeat these old patterns, including what's been blocking you from your femininity. And then we also are exploring with you, you know, what's your vision? Like if you could dream big and not have to just say what society says or not just have to follow what your parents did or not just have to try to fit into some cookie cutter, like what would you really want? What relationship would make your soul light up? And that's the sort of relationship we want to help our women and our clients create. So 
you know, if you get on one of those calls, we may not even talk to you about the program. We might decide it's not a good fit, or we might decide it is a fit and decide to invite you in. But either way, you get a lot of value and clarity on what you need in order to have that sort of fulfilling love that you've been dreaming of with the tools that it takes to get there. So that's just by going to violetlang.com forward slash talk and setting up your free breakthrough to love session. And we typically have about 20, 25 spots open a week, but some weeks we have like 40 women reaching out. So definitely set up your session now now and get the support and the love that you need. Tamara, is there anything else that you want to add? I think that was really beautifully said, just opening that space for them to honor their heart and their femininity and their vision of love. Cool. Amazing. We'll go to violetling.com forward slash talk. And if you do end up joining our program, you'll get to spend lots of time with the lovely Tamara and learn from her wisdom and her guidance and her just deep connection to herself and her feminine. So thank you, Tamara, for being here tonight. Thank you. Yes. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and turning on for healthy love. Because better relationships mean more power, more creativity, and a better planet. I'm here to end the suffering of abuse and loneliness, and it starts with you. Please subscribe to my show and leave a review.